Hello, my name is Kevin Shields and welcome to the Cracked Real Podcast, episode 16. It's been a while, I have discovered now why I should never make promises in regards to when I'm going to record shit, because I recorded episode 15 there on a Wednesday, but two Wednesdays ago, and my intention was, because there was a bank holiday weekend, I said on either the Saturday, or either either the Sunday or the Monday, I'd sit down and do another episode and talk about all the fucking movies that I bought, because I got a shitload like an embarrassing amount of movies and it's not the end of it either I have so much more coming um, but I ended up I was just too knackered and I did other things And you'd think with being trapped in the house well not a lot because I actually have to fucking leave the house for work so it's a bit of a pain in the arse and by the time I get home too knackered to record that's why it's, it's become a bit more rare but uh, I thought today no I want to fucking get an episode out there I want it for Friday for people to enjoy uh, while they're well, I don't know, sitting at home listening to this, hopefully. But just for people to enjoy either way. But funnily enough, one of the main... Well, I mean, I've had a million reasons for why I actually started this podcast. And I've gone through them before in the earlier episodes. But one of them was that I kind of got a little bit jaded with writing reviews. Um, Again, I, I, I've explained briefly before, but it's because I found myself slipping into formulas every time. So I'd start off, with the, if I was writing 10 reviews, the first maybe two or three would just be completely from the top of my head, phone, exactly what I thought of the movie, grand. But then I'd feel like I'd start structuring it the more I went on. And I was like, no, that's not what I want to do. The whole reason I fucking started doing this is to not just sound like I'm writing a fucking column somewhere in a paper. I want to just fucking talk shit about movies and enjoy them. So that's what I was going to do. And that's what this podcast was allowing me to do. But because I've been too knackered to actually set all this up and record it and potentially go through it and chop out all the fucking long silences of me trying to remember things stubbornly, I uh, I just sit on Letterboxd on my phone and write a few reviews and I kind of got back into doing it. So if you've been following the Facebook page, I've added a fuckload of reviews to it. I pretty much updated it, although I might have... I can't remember whether or not I updated it for the last episode. Um, but I did put a bunch up there recently and I have a few more to do now. I've got like eight movies, which I'll briefly run through now. I don't know if I saw it new. I must actually have a look, uh, consult my letterbox again because uh, or I didn't even fucking update that. I tend to put things on Instagram and not fucking update letterbox for ages. Uh, I don't know why I'm so delayed with all that shit, but I need to get back fucking doing it properly again. Um, but yeah, obviously it's been two weeks, two and a half weeks, nearly. Well, actually no, two weeks. It was uh, two and a half since. No, I'm mixing up dates in my head. It was about two weeks, but. I, like I said, I, my initial plan was to never really have a date set for episodes, so I'm not going to do that again. I'm not going to promise an episode, say, this Sunday if I can't record it. So if one appears, then deadly. If it doesn't, then it doesn't. Um, but yeah, I think I, I have a fuckload. I took a shitload of notes, and like I said, my notes are not exactly uh, highly detailed. They're pretty much just bullet points or even one-word things to remind me. Like, I have one here that just says sex scenes. And that isn't to go into the same conversation that I had on the Lazy Dads podcast. It's more uh, a concern now that popped up. Now, I read this about a month ago. I meant to mention it on the last episode and I forgot, so I'm mentioning it now. But apparently, th- this could be the end of the sex scene, uh, thanks to coronavirus. Because, I mean, those kind of scenes... I mean, it's hard enough to do a lot of movie scenes nowadays. You're going to have to... I think we're going to notice a lot, especially independent movies, a lot of subtle social distancing going on. So you'll have characters who will be speaking at either ends of the room, and 
I have the feeling you're going to see a lot of really subtle things like that and in a few years to come we're going to see a, just a collection of movies that came out this year that look really odd for some reason uh, and hopefully go back to normal because this, this is a this is all very fucking boring now this social media or not social media social distancing and everything well social media fuck that too um, but apparently sex scenes might be out the window now because no one's going to want to film them you're, you can't really have top Hollywood celebrities engaging in sex scenes in movies now because there's a risk now of catching things even though it's not like back in the day like it's not even porn <laughs> there's now a risk of catching something that can possibly kill you so I find it kind of funny that <laughs> that's going to be the end of them especially after me complaining about them although I think I, I don't think I gave a fair representation of my side or even of sex scenes that actually are good or important to a film I think I, I was more just irritated by movies that slow the pace down for the sake of throwing them in and clearly doing it because this actor is hunky and she's a curvy babe and they want to put them in a scene and have everyone fucking I don't know google it that's the thing I I remember just even back in school when it was often teenage girls who would go oh I have to see the new Twilight movie because there's hot guys in it and I'm like Use the fucking internet, you dickhead. <laughs> you don't need to pay into a garbage movie to fucking do that to yourself. Um, but anyway, I'm digressing here into something that sounds fucking way worse than it should be. Um, I do have a big list of stuff here that, like I said, are just could be one or two words that I'm going to remind myself with. Um, and some of them are kind of topics that I wanted to bring up before. Like I have a few here that I'm not going to bring up now, but the likes of paid reviews and how I think people who write reviews. Uh, or are paid to write good reviews if the movie's garbage are cunts and they shouldn't be allowed to review movies ever i want to actually go in deep and talk about dvds and kind of on a bit of a nostalgia trip for them there was initially an article so like i said some of these are things i had as ideas for articles back in the day that i never followed through it and that's one of them um oh god this one is like youtube clickbait thumbnails and things like that fucking people who review movies by having the poster of the movie and then having a picture of their face gasping and i'm like you make me not want to watch your fucking review now but the main thing i have here is where is it um blue eyes i bought tom cruise in space for a fucking start he wants to do a new movie i presume an action movie might be a sci-fi action movie or it could even just be genuinely a normal sci-fi movie but he wants to actually shoot scenes from that movie in space and i think that would be fucking insane to see like because i mean it's one thing although i'm eager to know how would it look um i think it was elon musk who shot that car into space wasn't it might have been but the one where it had like a fucking uh, astronaut sitting in the the front seat of it that's because it had several camera angles and it looked kind of unusual it looked deadly but i'm, I'm eager to know how would they control cinematography in space would it just be typical camera bolted onto the side or something or would they have like him potentially floating in space obviously well i don't know how you'd even deal with the safety parameters there would he just be in a fucking vessel in space and you can just see outside i don't know i like to think that he'd be outside like the start of gravity or something he'd be outside on the side of something and it'll just be the most insane sight you've ever seen in your life because it'll it'll be real i mean i, I consider what i see in the likes of gravity and interstellar and stuff like that as realistic because i'll never fucking know and that's why I kind of like space movies because I, feel, I always feel like it's possible what's going on out there even though it could be the most fantastical shit going on. But 
to see that for real with Tom Cruise of all people, not just some fucking like an astronaut who just filmed himself. Like, oh god, that reminds me. I was about to actually ask a question to my fucking microphone and say, "Did anyone see this?" But I'm, I suppose it's a broad question um, that won't receive an answer unless people comment on it and tell me. But the movie called Active Valor, and I remember that came out. What year was that? Two thousand ten or actually it might have been two thousand twelve. I think I was in college at the time, and I just remember. It was just so fucking bad. It was a bunch of real Navy SEALs who... It was pretty much just a, a, a military uh, induction or induction. Is that the word? What would be the word to try trick people to fucking join the military? <laughs> so propaganda is one of the words. But it was essentially that. It was a really, really loose, basic, unbelievably predictable. To, predictable to the point that it's like something you'd see in a spoof movie. Like you'd have a spoof movie where obviously the dialogue in those scenes is like over the top to the point where they're like explaining exactly what's going to happen. Like so it'd be something in the case of some character who's definitely going to die. And he's just like, oh, thank God I rescued this family from here and I, I just won the lottery and I did all this and that. And, and then he'll die. And obviously the joke is that it was leading up to that by him having the best look ever and then dying. The act of valor does something like that where a character is introduced in such a way where it's like oh i just got a new family i just got married i have a new baby boy and all this stuff has gone so well that party immediately goes okay any other fucking cheap movie would have him die he's obviously going to survive and it'll be the other guy who dies and it's going to be a big shocking reveal no it's just him and they expected people to be heartbroken by that i was like i don't give a fuck about this stupid buzz cut dickhead and then you have just a bunch of hoorah fucking we're the military lads as all these situations where they're just pretty much showing off how they breach fucking like drug dens and whatever else it's it's essentially just a training video but they've wrapped a terrible story around it and tried to make it seem like it was good action these lads couldn't act and they couldn't even put even though these are professionals well professionals probably not the right word for a killer i guess but these are people who know how to use military tactics and do all this kind of shit it didn't even look convincing the whole movie just looked like shite so in any other world any other world but in any other situation you'd imagine they would just get some astronaut who can pull a few reactionary faces and like he's acting and then just go oh yeah stick him in space and we'll just film him but the fact this is tom cruise a chap who fucking gives two thousand percent to every fucking movie he's in and is probably one of the most dedicated action stars out there i think he's a fucking legend and to see him actually be in space and doing an action scene potentially an action scene i'm hoping it is would just be one of the most surreal and amazing things ever so i hope that actually happens um probably the biggest bit of news that i'm going to give here um something that i'm pretty sure i just dreamt up and i might still be dreaming and uh, maybe this entire virus is a dream who fuck knows because around the time of this virus this came out but Tiger King obviously swept the world by storm. No, that's not the word. Swept the world by storm? Took the world by storm. Where's the swept come in? Is there a phrase for that? Fuck it. That was huge when it came out. I think it was early March. Probably wouldn't have been nearly as big had it not been during a lockdown where all people were doing was sitting in and watching shit. But the main guy, what's his name? Joe Exotic. Lunatic fucking psycho weirdo and 
who else are you going to get to play him? Other than someone pointed out to me recently that Michael Keaton could actually play him. And I did see it at first, but the more I thought about it, if you stuck Michael Keaton in that makeup, there's a lot of, maybe it's the eyes or something, there's something similar about him that he'd actually do quite a good job. But instead, they have gone for the legendary Oscar-winning actor and personal hero, Nicolas Cage, is going to play Joe Exotic. I feel like I wrote this in a dream and now it's come to reality and I couldn't be fucking happier. I do think someone came up with like a fake idea if HBO were to do it. Obviously they wouldn't now because Netflix owned the rights and whatever else. But if HBO did it and you had Danny McBride playing Joe Exotic, he would be perfect. He'd be a different kind of Joe Exotic though. I think Danny McBride would be himself but just... Maybe heightened in, in terms of the mad shit he gets up to. And he'd be doing it in a, very much his own way. He kind of actually looks like him in that... Uh, if I remember correctly. Did he have blonde hair in that movie Arkansas? Or not Arkansas. Arizona. I feel like he had blonde hair in that. So he could kind of pull off the Joe Exotic look. But I don't know. He, he'd make it very much a Danny McBride thing. Which would still be deadly. But Nicholas K. Like I am just... I cannot wait to see what level he'll fucking go to. Because Joe Exotic's a fucking wild, weird fucking chap. And Nicolas Cage in that position, adding a fucking 150% extra to that is going to be something else. So, well, I don't know what they're even going to call it. I think it's going to be a six-part thing. I don't know who else is going to be in it. I don't even give a fuck, to be honest. But Nicolas Cage as Joe Exotic is a personal dream of mine. Um, Obviously, very sad time. From last week, we lost... One of the funniest, I suppose, dads, <laughs> if you want to put it that way, because he always plays a dad in something, uh, or a grandfather. The legendary Jerry Stiller, uh, father of Ben Stiller, and easily one of the most memorable characters in the history of Seinfeld. Um, he tends to always, he pretty much just made a career out of the fact that he can shout, uh relatively loud and to the point where it sounds like he might die um he pretty much played a similar character to what he did in Seinfeld in King of Queens now I never really got into that never really got into Kevin James although and this moves on to one of my other points here neo-nazi um Kevin James is going to be playing a fucking violent neo-nazi out hunting some woman that he I don't know whether the, the plot of the film I, I've tried to avoid the trailer the best I could I just kind of had a look uh, skip through it because I thought Kevin James being serious, this could be shite, but it actually looks pretty good. And I think he's like stalking an ex-girlfriend or something like that, and he's a loony in it. So that'll uh, that'll be something interesting to see because I know Sean William Scott did something similar with Bloodline, and he did a fucking good job at it. So I have a bit of trust here. I'm gonna go in open-minded, but he played uh, Kevin James' dad in King of Queens, and I remember him being pretty much the only thing that would make me laugh whenever I would half watch it. That was one of those moments where. When you'd have maybe 10 channels on your TV. I had in my room anyway. And uh, no, I think I had 20 channels. I don't know. Most of them were news and shite. But uh, that was something that would always be on fairly late. And it was an excuse to stay up late. So I'd watch it. And yeah, it'd have its moments. But I never really got into King of Queens anyway. But probably one of his more memorable outside of Seinfeld. Would be Derek Zoolander's. I can't remember if he's his dad in it. He's like his manager or something. But it's. Ben Stiller's dad anyway and he's fucking hilarious in that and unfortunately well I suppose unfortunately it's probably not the right word because he didn't die of anything serious it was natural causes apparently and he's 93 years old he died 
he lived a fucking long life and he made a savage impression so hats off to uh you say jerry springer jerry what's seinfeld stiller all the jerry's um but yeah i'm, I'm still going through the list trying to see here what might be of interest now because some of the stuff might have dated a bit in terms of news because like i mean like i said with that whole sex coronavirus thing i mean that I, I did hear that a while ago but i wanted to address it before um some more interesting stuff here i mentioned Tom Cruise in space already i'm gonna go through all the blu-rays i bought but i'm gonna do that in a couple of minutes when i when i <laughs> when i touch on these subjects and i'll do my reviews as well um unstructured of course because uh, structure is for dickheads although i pretty much just have structured the episode before i just fucking said that sentence um oh yeah taika waititi who fucking made a huge impression with me uh with what we do in the shadows which i consider not only one of the best films of the decade but just one of the funniest comedy films in years a vampire mockumentary film set in new zealand with three or four vampires who are living in a flat together and just kind of shy to get up to and he was one of the characters in it i thought he was gassed and then i realized he actually directed it and then he's obviously gone on to fucking win oscars he, he fucking he did the new tour or he did tour ragnarok and he did hunt for the wilder people which was a really good fucking uh, you could call it a drama i suppose but it's more on the comedy side it's very quirky drama there are dramatic moments in it and that's that's to me the strongest kind of drama and then he did jojo rabbit which was up for fucking numerous oscars and won i think it wasn't screenplay i don't think was it adapted screenplay Maybe it was a comic or a book or something before. And I'm not 100%, but I know it was something. I know Taika Waititi has an Oscar. Uh, but he is now in line to do a new Star Wars movie. And I have full trust in him. Because he played... Was it IG-88 he played in... Uh, or IG-11, I think it might have been. Something like that in Mandalorian. And I won't get into what goes on with his character in it because it's, it's all very interesting but i don't i don't really want to ruin it about that because despite the fact that it's been out since last year and now everyone has disney plus or at least most people do and they're watching it that's not a show i want to ruin for people because oh, star wars is something i I've, i almost want to avoid getting into because i was i was originally before all this fucking lockdown shit kicked off uh derek and joe of the lazy dad's fame were going to have uh civil discussion is not the word they're going to have an extremely heated discussion and i was going to be the mediator between them and essentially referee <laughs> what was going to be a, an, an outrageous argument because joe almost blindly loves star wars an insane amount he like lives and breathes star wars whereas derek is able to put aside any love he has for it to pretend that he doesn't like it enough to annoy joe to maniacal levels of uh, anger and sadness so that would have just been uh, hell on earth but I'm, I'm, I'm eager to actually i suppose chime in on a, a conversation about the star wars films because this is the thing about the new movies i don't mind them <laughs> i mean when i saw the force awakens i loved it because i think i described see this is another thing as well every every conversation i talk about movies literally all the time to the point where i don't remember if i've mentioned certain things on the podcast so i often say i've spoken about this before i might not have actually fucking spoken about it on the podcast i just have spoken about it in depth with people before um but i went to see star wars force awakens after i saw the despecialized trilogy in a row overnight i think it was up until what time in the morning i think it was actually organized in a room while i was 
like setting up my Blu-rays and shit like that while I was watching it because I know those movies like the back of my hand anyway. But I just got a big nostalgia buzz from it, and then I think I slept for an hour and I got up straight away to go into town and watch the new one, and perhaps that boosted my enjoyment in the movie because when I saw The Force Awakens I walked out saying that was nothing short of perfect that was just how how much I was on board it ticked every box for me at the time and then subsequent rewatches I thought to myself well lots of this stuff doesn't work I still really enjoy it it did a lot right and it opened up an idea for a great fucking trilogy and when Ryan Johnson came in. And Ryan Johnson gets a bad rep. They act like he fucking killed Star Wars. I don't think he did. I think what happened with Star Wars was unfortunate. He tried to bring it in a new direction. And the direction he tried to bring it in wasn't really a good one. And his justification for why it was good is because it wasn't the typical direction. Which I disagree with. Um, but no, there is a lot to like with The the Last Jedi. I just think that it's about 40 minutes too long. And there's a lot of shite in it. And to be honest, upon rewatch as well, that was another one where lots of stuff stuck out and pissed me off that didn't the first time. Again, I went into that with high hopes because of how much I enjoyed Force Awakens. And I really enjoyed Rogue One as well. Even though you could look at that as not really part of the Star Wars canon. It's just something that's happening in that world. Um, But The Last Jedi, I remember, I, I really enjoyed it in the cinema. Upon rewatch that though, I thought, mm. one of my favourite scenes in it was this big fight scene in a... Uh, between Rey and Kylo Ren and a bunch of these guards in these big red armor suits one of them apparently is Tom Hardy um, I remember in the cinema going that was so fucking good I just thought that was amazingly well done but when you actually look at that scene the choreography is garbage awful fucking choreography like unbelievable how shit it actually is and I don't know why I, I was fooled and think it was so good I think it's because it was shot mostly in one take some of it and there are cool elements to it but when you look, it's one of those things, it's like fucking uh, The Dark Knight Rises, where in the background of like fight scenes, if Batman and Catwoman are... Or is it Catwoman? I can't remember if that was Catwoman. I think it might have been. If the two of them were fighting people in a scene, you'd see people in the background just standing there, falling over, even though they weren't hitting all kinds of shit, because they don't know how to fucking hit their marks and do the scene right. And it's just weird choreography, and I don't like that sort of waiting to throw your punch kind of thing now i know obviously it was big in movies for years and years but at this stage like i remember oh i'm on a tangent now i always do this when i fucking spread off into three different things but the uh the movie that normally shall not be named which is that embarrassment of a movie uh old boy the remake that spike lee did the they try to recreate the magic of that single take action scene that takes place in a cramped very narrow hallway but shot in a way that's open and wide to allow you to see what's happening, but you're aware that what is actually happening is in a very small space. So there's times where people might look like they could just run past and hit them, but they can't, because if you think about it, they're in a small corridor. You're just seeing it from a, a wide angle. Whereas, in the fucking fight scene, in the garbage fucking Spike Lee version, it's a massive wide open warehouse, but people are just standing around them like Streets of Rage characters, doing nothing, just shaking back and forward ready to hit him waiting for them to see them waiting for him to see them and make it easier for him to take them out and it's just fucking dire i i oh i could go on all day about why that movie's fucking terrible but i'm talking about star wars last jedi yeah it has its problems i still think it has a lot going for it but there are major problems with it and then rise of skywalker i think maybe with the lowered expectations of it 
uh, allowed me to enjoy it a lot more than I thought. There are problems with it. The first 20 minutes, I was absolutely not with it at all. And I thought, oh, fuck, I, this is going to be a long two hours, 20 minutes, however long it was. Uh, but I ended up being pleasantly surprised. I enjoyed it all the way through. I think as a trilogy, they're fun, non-canon space adventures. That's what I look at them as. They're, they're something that might happen in that same world. Loose, very poorly done connections to all the other stuff. Lots of narrative flaws and all kinds of shit. But I enjoy them. I think they're they're fluff. Whereas I think the original trilogy are far from fluff. They're fucking amazing. With Taika Waititi though. And obviously, sorry, with The Mandalorian. The Mandalorian was set five years after Return of the Jedi. And it fucking just captured the essence and feel of the original Star Wars movies. While also making it a sort of space samurai western. And it all works. It all comes together fucking brilliantly. So... Taika Waititi is now doing his own Star Wars. I don't know if it's a trilogy. It might just be a standalone film akin to Rogue One and Solo. But I hope it is light years away from any of the original trilogy lore. Now you can have the cantina. You can have places. Or you can even have stuff going on in Jabba the Hutt's fucking gaff. You can have all these things that might reference the original trilogy. But I, I, I'm sick of some fucking character you get introduced to that somehow is an ancestor of this character. And all kinds of shite. I just want something set in that universe because the the expansive universe of Star Wars is just bigger than the universe we actually live in now. There's just so fucking much in it and so many interesting characters and fucking alien races and stories that you can do. And Mandalorian, because it was episodic, each episode got to dip their toes in that and you know they're going to go back to a lot of that stuff for the next season. So there's just loads of fucking stuff to do. I imagine Taika Waititi will do something much like Thor Ragnarok where he had the fun of Guardians of the Galaxy with a lot of his own humour and he set it in the Avengers world he'll hopefully have the fun of Guardians of the Galaxy and now Thor Ragnarok because they're just ultra enjoyable fun with his humour but now in the Star Wars universe so you'll get to see his perspective on all that stuff and with his humour thrown on top and he's capable the action scenes he directed for Thor 3 are fucking great as well so He's more than capable and I just, I have full trust in him to do this. I really should actually fucking look at some of his other stuff though. Because he did a, a movie called Boy a few years ago. I think it was like a coming of age, fairly serious, uh, obviously New Zealand drama. And I, I would like to see him do a lot more and catch up on his older stuff. But I mentioned there, um, obviously he's going to be doing that. But there is a sequel on the way. A sequel that no one actually asked for. But I'm quite happy to receive, especially because even just talking about it again recently, the original that is, it, it predicted the future nearly, <laughs> this movie. It's something that people laughed their whole off back in the day at. And watching it now, I'm just thinking, yeah, they fucking pretty much predicted this. And that's Demolition Man. Now, Demolition Man is a very entertaining, daft action movie from the early 90s, sci-fi action movie with Sylvester Stallone versus Wesley Snipes and it's set how many years is it 30 years in the future 50 years could even be more actually I, I, I can't remember how far into the future it is but the whole world now has just become this ultra PC police crazed society and so much of it mirrors what's going on today it's just the way you're not allowed to say certain things and the way people are ultra offended at everything and people are being arrested and fined for things they say and all kinds of just crazy shit and it, it, the whole movie kind of took the piss out of political correctness by making it absurd but nowadays it's just it's just accurate you'd be making that now it look like just a complete statement uh 
So Demolition Man 2, not sure how they're going to do it. Plot-wise, anyway. Um, I don't know whether Sylvester Stallone's going to direct it, or I'm not quite sure what's going to happen with it, but I'm eager to see how they're going to expand on it, because, I mean, obviously it's absurd back then, obviously a bit prophetic in ways, but are they going to just double the absurdity now, or are they going to have society be changed from what happened in the last one? I mean, I'm eager to see where they go with it. I hope they do the action well. I hope it doesn't just feel like a cash-in. And I'd love if they just shot it on fucking film. This is the thing, like, with, with Stallone's more recent output, as much as enjoyable as they are, being shot digitally just has such an ugly look to it. If he's shot on film, or was being shot on film, it would just look so fucking much better. Particularly something like this as well, because I think sci-fi, unless you have Roger Deakins' eye, sci-fi digital can look really fucking ropey. And it can look cheap and it can look like a, a shitty set but stuff shot on film just looks fucking i'm not gonna get into this again i always get in, <laughs> get into the film versus digital debate and if you, if you want to hear that listen to some of the early episodes because i just keep fucking doing it um but more directorial choice strangeness uh now i am going to look this name up because i cannot in my fucking right mind think of how to pronounce it um but he is a director who pretty sure he won a uh, Oscar for his movie. Um, if I can remember it. Ah, there we go. So his name is Luca. <laughs> I'm so shit at names. Uh, Luca Gua. Oh man. Guadagino. That's how I'm going to think of it. Luca Guadagino. That's, <laughs> I think that's how you say his name. Uh, I think he's Italian. Yes, he did. he's from Sicily. Um, he only came onto my radar with that movie he made, Call Me By Your Name. Romantic love story movie. And then out of nowhere he went from doing that to Suspiria, a remake of one of the best horror films ever made, an Italian horror film that he made in his own way. He basically took the general premise of it, of uh, uh, an American girl coming to Italy to, although in this case it's... Uh, Germany in the in the eighties when shit's all gone mad. Is it the eighties actually? Maybe it's the seventies. Oh, yeah, I think it is the eighties. Yeah, but Germany anyway. Um, when things are all a bit ropey, and she's basically joining a dance class of sorts. Well, dance class maybe not the right word. Well, yeah, it is. I suppose it's, it's dance and theater and things like that. A dance academy, um, prestigious one, but it's actually run by a coven of witches. And that's just the way the the plot is in both films. Obviously, our agenda's one is crazy colours, gory violence, mad, bizarre, fucking prog rock playing over it, and all kinds of mad shit. Uh, whereas, Luca Guadagino decided he was... Oh, yeah, I definitely pronounced that right now. He, he decided he's going to go for ultra-reserved, muted, slow burn. Like, it's, it's about an hour longer than the fucking original version. I think it's two hours, 40 minutes, two and a half hours. And uh, that was a great one. I fucking hard on as well. And then you got to watch uh, something a bit more fun afterwards. I think it was a Assass- assassination nation, um, which oddly ended up being the movie that stuck with me more as being profound. I don't know how that happened, but although it is a mess as well. But this, he he went obviously from doing romantic gay drama movie to which, by the way, that sounds like I'm insulting it, but no, it's actually a gay romance film. He went from doing that to bizarre. Often violent, strange, brooding, tense, atmospheric horror. And now, he's teaming up with the writing pair of the Coen brothers to do a remake of none other 
than Scarface. And to be honest, I trust them. I, I remember for years and years and years there have been people saying that they're going to be remaking Scarface and it would obviously outrage online, of course, from me, especially back in the day when I used to post online about moaning about this shit, which I still kind of do, but everything that would come out about the movies I just complain about and I realise now there's no point doing it because half of these things are fucking rumours that mean nothing. But he's been confirmed and with the Coen brothers writing it, I'm really eager to see what direction they go. Are they going to go their more serious but still kind of... Well, actually, no, something like No Country for Old Men. Are they going to go the serious route with some humorous moments? Or are they going to go a funny route? I'm not really sure. I fully trust them. The thing is, a lot of the time, people who work with stuff they've written don't do the best job, except Terry Zwigoff, who did Bad Santa, which is one of my favourite comedy movies and Christmas movies ever. Um, But this, uh, see, like I said, they've, they've had so many rumours. Originally, Leonardo DiCaprio was going to play him. Um... There was going to be a one set in modern day LA and one set in Las Vegas and all these fucking things that just never happened. And I'm actually quite glad it didn't happen. I think I remember thinking before when I first saw Bobby Cannavale in Boardwalk Empire, I thought he would be a great time Montana. But then I realised he would just be a great exact replacement of fucking Al Pacino. Like you want something different because Al Pacino's Scarface is very different to the original. So I wonder, is this going to be a remake of the, the Pacino one, or is it going to be a remake of the original one? Or are they going to go just their own different direction? Because obviously that was 80s fucking Miami, which was like the height of fucking drugs and stuff like that at the time. Very much its own unique idea. Are they going to do this modern day, or are they going to set this back in the 70s and have it in San Francisco? Like I don't know what the fuck they're going to do. But I, I'm interested. I, I just... I know. I think if it was anyone else, I'd be. Uh, after what he did with Suspiria, he basically won my approval. Is probably not the right word. Who needs my approval? But he won my faith in him that he'll do a good job. Um, with Scarface, had it been anyone else, I would have been like, oh fuck. Unless it was someone like S. Craig Zahler, who I'll just, I will literally watch him take a shit if I have to, because he'd make it brilliant. I'm dying for Hug Chicken Penny. It's his newest movie. That's, I think it's in production. Um, I know it's based on one of his books. But just, and oh fucking hell actually, I meant to mention this on the last episode too. The fucking stuff that he has lined up, or maybe I mentioned this before. I know he has, a, he's written a script for Park Chan-wook, or it could be an adaptation. I think Matthew McConaughey is going to be in it. and He just has loads of fucking stuff on the go now with serious people behind it. And I just, I'm so fucking glad that people are paying attention to him and his movies. Because he is one of the best of the last 10 years, without question. So more as Craig Zahler. Um. So yeah, Luca Guadagino, he's gonna be taking on Scarface. If he puts it in his own direction, I'll be very happy about it. Um, and I trust him to do that. Uh, what the fuck else have I got written down here? See, again, normally I would be able to do this a bit more with with natural flow, but the fact that I've have over two weeks worth of shit here written down, I'm just trying to fly through it. Cause uh, if I wait another week, it's just gonna be fucking out of date news. Um. This is, I suppose, out-of-date news, but fucking The Last of Us 2 and the disaster of that. Now, I mentioned two weeks ago. Jesus, it's hard to believe that was two weeks ago all this started fucking happening. But basically, there was someone who worked for Naughty Dog. They they were pretty much breaching, uh, I suppose, human rights <laughs> by making people work on the game and not be paid for it. And people who... Or well, it was more a case that they wanted to 
take leave they were like we can't really be around each other we're not social distancing we we need paid leave like we're fucked otherwise and they were like no you can keep working uh, and you're not getting any paid leave it's like okay so you're scumbags uh neil Druckmann, that is um who was behind the whole thing although i probably have this fucking flag now by mentioning his name because uh, he seems to be going around flagging anything that criticizes what an arsehole he is and what he did to the fucking game now i am not going to reveal what happens in the last of us 2 because like i said someone who is disgruntled with the idea of not being paid um while all this corona shit's going on because it's fucking madness he said all right fuck it and i'm gonna leak it, the entire plot online as well as key cutscenes that are pivotal to the story and he essentially spoiled the whole game for everyone now that's something i'd normally avoid and even if some people would be saying like ah oh, it's not great I said, like, no, no, I'm going to wait for myself and see. But I've had very reliable friends and family come to me and say, you must see what they've done to this. They have fucking destroyed The Last of Us. And I thought, there's no way. Because I, I remember seeing the gameplay that came out probably two years ago at this point that looked fucking class. And I thought, they, they could hardly fuck this up. Like, this already looks like it captured the essence of the first one and they're expanding on it for a new console generation. This is going to be deadly. I had no idea just how shite they were going to fucking make this. So I just said, all right, I'll, I'll, I'll bite the bullet. I'll have a look and see what they're doing. And holy shit, it's wor- It's something I would have made up as a joke. As an example of today's idea of bullshit fake diversity and just pushing ridiculous agendas on people. It's something I'd come up with as a joke. And I remember I, said, I asked some, I posted in a friend group, I said... I heard about what they did with The Last of Us 2. It's atrocious. If you want to know about it, send me a message. I won't spoil it for all of you. And everyone who said, yeah, tell me what happens, didn't believe me at first. They actually just thought, no, no way. And I, I understand why. Because why wouldn't they believe something as ridiculous as this? There's plenty of videos about it online. Like I said, I'm not going to ruin it here. I would recommend not buying the game. Especially because they're not fucking paying people. But also because Neil Druckmann is a dickhead and he's involved with Anita Sarkeesian and that's a whole mess of shit there so the whole thing is a shambles they pissed on the legacy of the first game I immediately do not consider The Last of Us 2 as canon the only way I'll play that game is if it ends up free in the Playstation Plus store um, with their monthly free games which this month is fucking shy it's a train simulator or something but if it comes out free that way, yeah, I'll get it. I'll play it. I'll try it, and I'll probably be. I'll probably might. I might even enjoy the gameplay. I might enjoy some of the action of it and whatever else. But what they've done to that story and the reasons why are just embarrassing and shameful. People need to realize that forced diversity never fucking works, and it's embarrassing that they still have to keep making this a thing. Like you could have, it could be any kind of diversity. It could be to do with disability or race or sex or whatever. But you could have a film where it could be the first black superhero like this. And they'll bring it out there. And instead of just going, here's the new superhero movie, enjoy. They just go, look, look, it's a black superhero movie. As if it deserves extra brownie points for that. No, I never in my life growing up paid attention to any of that shit. I would just see a movie and go, this looks like a good movie. I am interested. I didn't sit there going, oh, this movie has a, a strong female lead. Now I'm interested and everyone should be pushing it because of that. No, I just saw a movie, good or bad. Didn't matter who was the lead. 
didn't matter what was going on in it, once it was good. That's the only fucking important thing in all of this. And anyone who says different is a dumbass. Because it's just the most bullshit, look at me, I'm, I'm, look how good a person I am. I support this because of this. It's like, no, you should support it because it's a good movie. If it happens that the lead in the movie is a black woman and it's a, a story showing a strong black woman in a strong lead and it doesn't have any bullshit you've seen a million times before, then great. Praise the movie on it being good. But that doesn't make it a good movie. You can't just have a movie where it ticks all them boxes and then go, oh, now it's a good movie and if you don't like it, you're a bigoted piece of shit. It's like, no. It can be a shitty movie. Captain Marvel, right, is a fucking mess of a film. And people were just saying, oh, it's just trolls out there, this and that. It's like, no, it's, it is a fucking mess of a film. It tried to push ham-fisted diversity and fucking all sorts, and it just made an arse of itself. And that's the thing. People probably end up lumping me in with all these fucking people out there now who just fucking whinge online about any kind of diversity. And that's that's the problem as well, is because all of this, the forced diversity parade, also have the yin and yang thing of another group who are going to be thinking anything absolutely anything with a woman in the lead or a black person in the lead or disabled person or whatever in the lead is suddenly pushing an agenda they look at something brilliant like something like red sparrow or they look at something like atomic blonde which had strong female leads in believable roles i love atomic blonde as well they did such a fucking good job of that of not shoving any agenda down your throat and it was smart and well done and yet people out there were just, oh, it's bullshit, feminazi agenda bullshit. And it's like, no, it isn't. It's a fucking really well-made spy thriller that has a lead female in it and it doesn't do it in a stupid way. And I remember, actually, I think, again, this is me saying I might have mentioned this before. This could have just been me mentioning it to other friends. I could have mentioned it on the podcast. Fuck knows. Go back and listen and see. I will watch movies with my friends before all this bollocks lockdown shit, but... We'd watch movies and then, depending on we what we thought of it, we would look up opposing reviews. So if we watch something that we're just absolutely blown away by, captivated by, something that is just undeniably fantastic, we'll go, right, let's have a look at the one-star reviews and just see what people say. And usually it'll be the most absolute smooth-brained fucking bullshit reviews you've ever heard in your life. Just going, either coming up with a bullshit agenda stuff or coming up with... A complete misunderstanding of what actually happened in the film. And same with vice versa. Well, I suppose you can't recall really the vice versa a misunderstanding. But you'd, we'd watch a movie that's just undeniably terrible. And then you'd see these blatant paid reviews. Which is what actually was my initial reason for wanting to talk about paid reviews. Of people going, oh, it's the best movie I've seen. 10 out of 10. It's amazing. Does this and that. When clearly it actually legally can't be a 10 out of 10 because it's so bad. But the point I'm, I'm trying to make is we watched Sicario. Which I think is... Not only one of the best of the decade, but Emily Blunt is one of the most well-rounded female characters I've seen in the movie in years. Brilliantly written. It doesn't shove in your face that, look, it's a woman and she's not treated any differently because of it. She is just picked for this job. She's put in that position and that's that. And that's what her character is. You're just following this character and it's so well fucking done. She's not only an excellent actress, she sells it believably. The whole thing works and she's not treated differently. As I was watching it, I didn't sit there going, wow, they're really they're writing this female character well. I was just sitting there captivated by the plot and what was going on and this character. And that's good writing. And the marketing for it didn't have to shove it down your throat either. That's good marketing. But that movie, as I said, it ticked all in boxes really well. 
you actually had both sides complaining about this. You had people who were saying that it was a misogynist movie and that the female character they they were both opposing one star reviews for totally different reasons. One was saying that it it, uh, it treated the female character like shit and that uh, that it was a male driven misogynist movie and all this nonsense which it absolutely is not. And then you had the other review, another one star review, which was saying, oh, this is a lot of feminist bullshit, ultra strong female character and the men are just stupid, incompetent characters. It's like, you both are looking at this movie totally fucking wrong. Go in and enjoy stepping into a world that isn't your own for two fucking hours. Not everything needs an agenda. Not everything needs to fucking suit what your fucking beliefs are at that time. Look at S. Craig Zahler stuff. People fucking go mad about his movies. Saying that he's for somehow. Some reason a racist. Which is not the case at all. You look at. Um, Dragged Across Concrete. Mel Gibson's character in particular. Says some stuff. And maybe it's because it was Mel Gibson as well. That it rubbed people the wrong way. But he says some stuff. And that, that could be construed as. This is someone who's slipping into racism for sure. And he's definitely. Got sort of. Um, bigoted ideas at times. But then you get you kind of see why he grows to have those ideas, kind of like American History X, where it's not just Edward Norton's racist. It's he's got he had that sort of imparted on him by the way his dad behaved, and with what happened to him, and it's they, they kind of they don't make excuses for bad behavior, but they show you how these characters end up this way, and it's good writing. They're not nice characters. They don't have to be nice fucking characters because it is not the real world. You are literally watching a fantasy you're watching actors it doesn't have to line up with your beliefs just watch compelling stories it can be the most detestable asshole characters like that movie it's a movie i watched i've been meaning to see for years and i watched it for the first time a few years ago i loved it it's called naked and i'm not even gonna remember this david Toulis. his character in that is fascinating to watch he's a one of the worst pieces of shit you'd ever watch the movie opens up with him having sex with a girl and halfway through she doesn't want it. And he still continues. And it turns into a rape. And then he goes on the run. And the whole movie is him just treating people like garbage. He's a scumbag character in that film. Has no good qualities. Other than the fact that he's very well spoken and well read. But he is just the scum of the earth. Yet you're fascinated by the movie. You're interested in the character. You you like what's actually happening in the story. Despite the fact that you're not watching a good person. That doesn't make me think that. Mike Lee is a racist or a scumbag sexist director. It doesn't make me think that David Toulis is a scumbag sexist actor. It just makes me think that this is good content. It's phenomenally acted. It's phenomenally well written. And these are the only things that should matter. If you're making a movie with a political statement, fine. If that's what your movie's about. I watched one of the movies I'm going to talk about in a minute is Salvador. Which makes a very clear anti-war statement. And that is fine. That's what that movie is. But every single fucking movie that comes out does not need an agenda attached to it. Movies are allowed to be fun. They're allowed to be funny and daft. I fucking... Oh man, another movie I watched. A rewatch. Actually, well, I'll, I'll, when I get onto the, the movies I reviewed, I'll talk about that. But one of them is Hot Rod. And I was just so satisfied sitting there watching a comedy movie that's just daft and silly and doesn't rely on just having some sort of modern reference to what's going on politically or in terms of social issues i don't give a fuck about that it's all just fun and that's that was just so satisfying to watch i didn't have to sit there having a message crammed down my throat i just got to enjoy some comedy so 
how on earth did I get onto this? <laughs> I, I I tend to I I know I tend to rant, but I definitely went to the, oh yeah, Last of Us two, um, so yeah, the Last of Us two decided to go this direction and made an arse of it, and this is Neil Druckmann's just gonna have to fucking lie in the mess he made because this is what happens when you try force a bullshit agenda into something just for the sake of going look at me look what i've done no one gives a shit we want compelling storylines and here's the thing something that they actually do in the turning point of that plot could have been an amazing thing with the story it could have made you sit there going well they've really just upped their fucking game here but it's their reasoning behind why and how they did it it's just garbage so the Last of Us 2, I wouldn't recommend uh, getting it until it comes out free on the PlayStation Store. And even then, fuck Neil Druckmann. Pay your fucking staff, you're going to keep them in during all this shite. Like, it's one thing that fucking people can't get to work at the moment. But to make them work and make and take away the pay for other people, it's a scumbag fucking thing to do. You're a dirtbag. And that's that, this is the, the punishment you get. So my positive spin on the end of that fucking rant is go play the original Last of Us. It is without a doubt one of the best games I have ever played. And it still holds up as one of the best games I've ever played. Because it's now it's on PS4 as well. And you can get it for fucking next to nothing now too. With all the expansion and whatever extra online shit's in it. So the positive spin on that is... Well actually no it was a positive fucking rant I went on except for the Last of Us 2 part. But play the Last of Us 2 and enjoy the Last of Us 2. God, that was a <laughs> that was a hell of a run. Another bit of movie news actually is that Spiral, the next chapter in the Saw franchise, uh, was due to come out uh, the twenty first of this month, May, and has now been pushed to the twenty first of May, twenty twenty one. So that's a big fucking jump, and quite unfortunate because I was hoping that might appear online uh, to stream because I. I at this stage, horror movies in the cinema with a non, with a traditional horror crowd that you see going to the likes of Conjuring is very annoying, and people don't treat the fucking thing right. Um, but again, who the fuck knows if cinema is going to be there? Um, I tend to give a bit of an update for the last few weeks now, just the, the way cinema has gone, and I spoke already about the missed opportunity that Cineworld had to capitalize on Universal movies that were originally going to. Just go straight to online and now AMC cinemas slash Odeon cinemas are not going to show them now. And Cinero followed suit and I thought that was ridiculous that they did that. Because they just fucked themselves out of a, a whole market of films. But what's interesting is some fairly close by dates are still coming out for movies. So the New Mutants which has been postponed fucking numerous times. And reshoots and just general shelving of the movie because it's probably not going to be nearly as good as the weight suggests they now have a new poster and they have an official release date it's august 28th i think it was i didn't actually really look into it because i'm not too pushed on it i probably will watch it uh then again any movie that's made for an r-rated audience and then cut down for pg-13 because assholes is made by assholes so they're well they're not made by assholes but caused by assholes um but what's interesting is Christopher Nolan, who was one of the people I mentioned at the very start of all this, and Tenet, the movie I am dying for and I must see in an IMAX screen, was a movie I gave as an example of something that won't go online, something that will definitely hit cinemas and keep cinemas alive. It's going to be blockbuster stuff like that 
and Black Widow that are going to keep it going. I think Black Widow is actually postponed too. Because that's supposed to come out in June or July. And very unlikely now. But Christopher Nolan has his date set for July with Tenet. And he hasn't changed it. He seems pretty confident that it's going to go through. And allegedly View Cinemas are going to be the ones to facilitate that. I think it's a mistake. I think he should just accept the fact that 2020 is a bit of a write-off. He can maybe save it till December, although, you know, the way the whole cinema system works, normally he goes to cinema in December, all the good shit goes out in the summer in terms of box office and all that bullshit. But if I was him, I'd postpone it. I'd wait until I can have a packed house watching that movie in IMAX properly instead of just a few people being able to do it if they can even show movies. Because here's an interesting thought, okay? I've been having this conversation throughout the week. The UK have it a lot worse than us in terms of what's going on with coronavirus and restrictions and what whatever else. Like we're doing all right over here. But if a movie was to have a release date and say Irish cinemas, you know, it's hard to say the likes of Odeon and Cineworld being involved in this because they're UK owned, but say for argument's sake that they're Irish owned over here and they decide we're going to show such and such, we want to show Tenet and we're going to show New Mutants and we're going to show Black Widow and whatever else. There is no fucking way that we would get them before the UK. So if we decide we're going to open up our cinemas here in August and start planning for movies to screen, they're not going to show them in Ireland before they show them in the UK. There's no way. There might be a rare case one or two movies might, but big movies like that are not going to show in Ireland and not show in the UK at the same time. Especially Christopher Nolan, his hometown, home country. He's not going to have a show here first. So we can't really prepare to open cinemas in August. The way Leo fucking put in his speech. Saying, oh yeah, all these things will be back in August. The UK might not be back by then. Festivals are fucking really up shit creek with this stuff going on now. So I don't know how it's going to be economically viable to set up and prepare for these screenings. If they potentially can't happen if the UK is not back on its feet by then. So... It's a dangerous time for movies in that sense. And that's why the likes of Christopher Nolan and stuff should postpone. Wait till next year if you fucking have to. This year, make it all about reptiles. Go up and fucking have the IFI and Lighthouse, Cineworld, Odeon, all these fucking cinemas. Just show the best of the best. The best of the decade. Stuff that people have always wanted to see in the cinema. The classic screenings always do well in all these cinemas. Just do that now. Let people to enjoy themselves, ease their way back in. The stuff in the cinema won't feel like it's forcing them to come out. The people who do want to go to the cinema might go see fucking Point Break in the cinema with Cannes, which I did before and it was one of the best screeners ever. But those kind of options are what should be there now. I think to actually show proper fucking blockbuster movies now and to attempt to prepare for them over here when we don't know if we're going to even be able to show them is just madness. I think uh, this year really should just be a write-off. And it's something I've dreamt about for fucking years. I've always been saying to myself, I'd love if the cinema industry could just take a fucking break so I can catch up on all the other shit. Well, now's the fucking chance. It's the worst circumstances that could happen, but now's the chance. And I think cinema should should realise that because I think if anyone thinks next month they're going to have a fucking full packed house watching that movie, they're absolutely out of their fucking mind. So, fingers crossed that they kind of get their heads out of their asses and they reschedule and they do this properly because the likes of Tennis, the likes of Dune, the likes of Black Widow are movies I want to see on the big screen but I'm not going to force myself to go when everything's not alright and I don't want to see 
cinemas putting money aside, getting the rights to do all this, and then not being able to fucking do it. So, very, very up in the air, very, very messy fucking times at the moment for cinema. I mean, where the fuck's it, where's it going to go from here? I mean, like, I, I, I remained very optimistic at the start, and I still do, I still... Well, there's the computer mouse after falling on the ground and spiking the audio. That might sound quite deafening when you listen back to this, so hopefully it doesn't. Um, but I've talked about before of where the industry is going to go at this stage. I still believe blockbusters are going to be strong. I still believe there's going to be independent movies being made. I just think that the the big distributor nowadays is going to be online. It's going to be the main thing. Festivals are even considering online stuff. Look at Cannes. They're going to go online. South by Southwest are going to go online. It's dangerous uh, in terms of like being able to keep your movies from being targeted because they can easily be fucking targeted. And they think they can't. They think that, oh, we've got security measures. You don't fucking really. It's very easy to fucking steal these movies. So it's a big gamble to do that if you're trying to keep money. And this is, this is why Netflix and Amazon and Hulu and Apple and all these fuckers are laughing their holes off to the bank because they can release a movie direct to them and I mentioned before not pe- people don't really torrent from these fucking things everyone has them so they're less likely to torrent from them I'd say, I'd say the torrents from Netflix are minuscule but if you can release your movie on Netflix not only do you get well some movies actually just go completely by surprise up there you'd really want to I think Netflix should be pushing a lot more movies that get released there but you get a movie released to millions and millions and millions of people worldwide guaranteed audience and you will get paid for because people buy Netflix. And I think that's just the way the direction people are going to start going now. Hopefully we'll get the cinemas back on track. But again, I, th- I think don't fucking hold your breath uh, for now. And view cinemas, I, I don't think they're going to get away with it. I think they're going to set up this IMAX screening and it'll fall on its arse. Because no, people want to go out. They want to go out and be free and go around and do things. They want to go to the pub more than they want to go to the fucking cinema. And going to a cinema at half capacity, potentially even less than half capacity, two or three seats apart, doesn't sound like fucking crack. I the amount of grindhouse screenings I've gone to, packed houses, the place would be sweltering with the amount of people in there, but the buzz is so fucking strong that it keeps it going. You won't get that the same way if you're going in too early and with these crap social distance movie screenings. It won't be the same. Hopefully, though, there'll be a lot more drive-in and outdoor cinema stuff because that could be a bit interesting but um yeah i'm gonna actually the last thing i'm gonna talk about before i move on um i don't usually talk about music but i'll talk about that in the next episode uh there's a particular band that are just unbelievably unique i won't even mention them yet but um they have just a huge catalogue of shit i want to get through before i talk about them um because no, I, I remember even one of the first things I said on the show is that I'd like to talk about music at some stage. But again, I don't. I find it really difficult to talk about music in terms of. In the same sense that I talk about movies. Um, I might be equally as passionate about some kind of music, but I just. I don't. I don't break music down well. I just go, I like the bit with the guitar and I like the bit with the drums. I don't know any fucking. of the lingo used. Um, but one thing I just wanted to mention before I move on to. The Blu-rays, and before I move on to, what the fuck's it called? Um, the reviews. Actually, there's something else I saw here. There's that show Hollywood. I think it, I think that's what it's called on Netflix now. Uh, is it Ryan Murphy? Might be the guy's name. 
who he's responsible for Glee and American Horror Story and all kinds of stuff that I have no interest in whatsoever. <clears throat> he's made this. This actually just I, sh- I regret not mentioning this when I was talking about The Last of Us Two, but it's the same principle, so I'm not even going to go into it again. But it's uh, it's the rewriting of history to suit modern day progressive ideas that don't make sense and it just comes off as a laughable fantasy and erasure of history and it makes them look fucking stupid because again shoehorning in diversity and all kinds of shit is dumb and it never works just make good content doesn't matter who's in it if if you have to keep bringing up the fact that someone's race or gender or sexuality is brought up if it has to keep being mentioned then you're part of the fucking problem if you just make it and enjoy it then we'll all be happy anyway uh i talked about afterlife the other day and or the other day i said about two weeks ago now i had two episodes left at that stage and i hadn't finished it but i have finished it since and i wasn't happy with it (laughs) and i'm not going to go into detail as to why because people may not have watched it yet but when i was talking the more i evaluated the show the less i actually liked it I think the first season was really good. I, I, I mean, I covered most of this the last time. It's more just to kind of an update the fact that I have now finished the series. But it actually, the ending of that show was one of the cheapest, shittiest, fucking, most awful fucking endings that I've seen in a long time. Now, the, the episode itself has its moments. It has its drama. Like I said, it feels like an hour-long drama where they cut out everything else except the pointy drama scenes and the odd bit of comedy. Which a lot of it doesn't work. Um, but they, they, they kill all the poignancy of the, the drama in it. By having every bit of dramatic tension. Ruined by this swelling music of. Uh, just happy joyful music. and it, ah, It's just so fucking corny. But one thing I always gave Ricky Gervais credit for. Is even if he does something that is. For instance the good guy winning. That kind of attitude that you see in the likes of office and extras people get their moment to shine it feels so earned and it feels so good this does not at all it is awful what they do at the end of that season and it made me reevaluate the whole the whole season itself because not a lot actually happens in it there's nothing really going on in that show the amount of actual content that fits in to six episodes of the office of the same runtime is astounding the stuff that goes on across maybe three episodes of Afterlife, you could cram into a half episode of The Office. It's actually not that well written. And it's a shame because Ricky Gervais is so capable and he's getting loads of praise because, like I said, it's low-hanging fruit. It's easy drama. Suicide is easy drama. Dead wives are easy drama. Disease is easy drama. Dead pets, anything, all that kind of stuff. If you have a dog die on screen, you are guaranteed to have your audience crying. And it's not it's not good drama. It's easy drama. It's something that will make anyone cry. So, well, not anyone, but you know what I mean. It, it's upsetting content to most people. So, to, it, it just feels cheap and ugly. And that's what this season was like. Now, I, I'm going to say this. The dog doesn't die. Don't worry. But it's a case of the dramatic tension and... The stuff that's supposed to happen in it does not feel earned. It just feels like the easiest route to get people teary-eyed. And it just... It's so fucking lame. They could have done so much better with it. Just look at The Office and Extras and see how brilliant the writing is on those shows. 
And then when you compare it to Afterlife, and even Derek actually, Derek was quite good, you'll see that this is way down the list. The drama works in the first season. Really, it shouldn't have gone on to two seasons. The, the conclusion of season one should have actually been the conclusion of season two. And they should have dragged out him being a bitter fucker for longer. Because it just it, it doesn't work the direction they've taken it. So, uh, Although, I must be in the minority. I know a couple of people agree, but most people seem to love it. So, another season's coming. What do you fucking do? I'll still probably watch it because there's enough in there to keep me interested. And I like Ricky Gervais. I'd like to support him. But, come on, fucking rewatch that series yourself and go actually yeah i need to sort this out so that's kind of all the little bullet points that i had fucking marked out uh i'm gonna just list the blu-rays i got because i know if i start going into them i mean a lot of them i haven't seen as well i have a joke amount of fucking stuff that i've gotten over the last while um so how far back am i going here right well there was first of all, I actually I got this book that I would fucking thoroughly recommend to people. Now I've t- I've talked about the nostalgia of buying movies and things like that before. I always do. There's a book I got by Thomas Hodge, aka the Dude Designs. Maybe I talked about this. There's actually a high possibility I mentioned this. Um, but yeah, Thomas Hodge, the Dude Designs. He uh, he's done a lot of artwork for movies over the last few years, and. He grew up seeing all these VHS covers for 80s movies and 90s movies, action movies, comedies, uh, sci-fi movies, thrillers, horror movies, where they just had the most amazing, unique artwork ever. And what he did was he compiled, I think, 220 or 240 of his favourites and loads of obscurities and their high-quality scanned images of VHS artwork. Now they're all they're all UK VHS as well. They all have the BBFC eighteen cert or mostly eighteen. Um, so I mean, a lot of American ones could have been different, and I've seen actually some of the other countries ones that are better, uh, even though some of these are class. But it's just it's an amazing trip down memory lane. I'd say there's a there's a portion of them that I would remember seeing in the video shop. A very small portion because a lot of these wouldn't have been around when I'd be going to video shops. There'd be like mostly Jackie Chan stuff and a couple of action ones but there's some obscure horror and sci-fi and all of this that I have never seen but I get nostalgic looking at them because that type of artwork and that kind of passion for these things is not there anymore flat out gone The especially actually yeah I definitely mentioned this last week because I talked about how digital artists while they look deadly and some digital posters that are made and drawn are class but they just don't have the same atmosphere as this um, but yeah, if you want to experience that book, it's well worth getting. It's called, uh, if I can get the fucking name of it here, yeah, it's just called VHS Video Cover Art, and that's all it is by Thomas Hodge, aka the Dude Designs. Recommend it. I think I paid twenty or so quid for it, and it's definitely worth it because each, like, it's not just something you can really breeze through. I mean, you could, but you wouldn't really take it in because I'm reading all the the plot lines to these movies because it's a full scanned cover. And some of the plots are so good. And I'm actually... I'm, I'm coming up with a little challenge for myself. I'm considering... Um, trying to watch all the movies. I try to track them down in some way. Because... Um, some of them are just... They sound so fucking ridiculous. And some of them just look so amazing from the artwork. And even the pictures on the back... They look like cheap, shitty, shot-on-video movies. But I just... I, I kind of want to see if I can challenge myself to see all... Either 220 or 240. I can't remember which. But all 240, let's say, of those movies. If I can do that... 
I'm not going to give myself a time limit because, as we all have learned from the lateness of this podcast, I don't fucking do well with time limits. Um, so I, I think eventually is my goal for that. Um, so I'm going to just list off all the shit I got because there's a lot here. Again, I don't know whether or not I've mentioned this last time. This is another reason why I should be doing this weekly because I, I forget some of the shit I say and I don't want to fucking sit here reviewing a big bunch of movies I've already fucking talked about. Even the movies today, I'm going to do very fucking brief reviews of them because uh, I, I, I also don't have the energy to do my usual two and a half hour podcast talking about one movie kind of nonsense. Um, but yeah, I managed to pick up, there was a 25th anniversary of Who Framed Roger Rabbit I got with a savage slip cover that is of a different artwork which i didn't realize was going to come with it so that was a, a nice surprise and i think most of these i've got like i get all these fucking dirt cheap anyway um i think that was like seven quid and most of these would be in pounds as well because this is all stuff i got from hmv and they only fucking deliver to the uk so parcel motel has been my friend and if parcel motel want to sponsor me i'll give them a fucking great review because they sort me out big time um but i got collateral i've been meaning to get that for years not mad on the artwork but I was three quid. I can't really complain. And it's a savage film. And I think it has the same extras as the, the to this DVD. I have to actually look into that. I got an all-time favourite movie here. Uh, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Was hoping to get the Steelbook at some stage. But I wasn't lucky enough. Yeah, that's been out of print years now. But the Blu-ray has the original artwork on it. So that's good. Studio Canal did a good job of that. Uh, the director's cut of Midsummer, Which I still haven't watched. I saw the theatrical cut. And I fucking thought it was great. Um... But I'm eager to see what the director's cut does now. I know there's only, like, in terms of the horror elements and the violence, that they're very, very, very mildly extended. Like, it, just some additional shots kind of stuff. Mostly just atmosphere and plot that's added into it. But I think it would actually work wonders for it because, like, the time flies by when you watch that movie because there's so much going on in it that I'd, I'd actually like to see some more. So it's three hours director's cut. Um, and I was offered, uh, a friend of mine managed to get a 4K version from Italy. Uh, they accidentally send them too, but unfortunately, it doesn't have any of the subtitles because most of this is like Swedish, so there's no subtitles for it. And I was like, oh, for fuck's sake! Um, but the artwork's savage on it, so if you can see that one, track it down, and if you can understand Italian people's subtitles for Sweden, then look at you. Uh, but the main thing I wanted to mention here was the 4K Blu ray of Blade Runner 2049. Because I'd seen a few of these before, but HMV managed to get an exclusive one where it comes with a savage fucking box artwork. With art cards and a poster and fucking all kinds of shit in a three disc edition. It has the 4K, the Blu ray, and a bonus disc. And I mean, apparently the original Blade Runner, the 4K, that's savage. This one is, it, whatever way it's passed, is different because it's not coming from an original negative, but apparently it looks mind blowing. And because I've now invested in a 4K Blu ray player, multi region at that. So you can expect a fuckload more Blu-rays coming in. Um, I have a chance to finally watch it now. Because I've had... I mean, between that and... What's it called? Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. They're the only 4K movies I have. Although I will be getting Dawn of the Dead when that special edition comes out. And I have 2001 A Space Odyssey coming with the Blu-ray bundle I got. So I have a few to get through. But I, I'm still going to be very selective in what 4K stuff I get. Um, but I had to get that because it's just fucking unreal booklets with it and everything savage artwork i like art cards all the time and the poster's deadly so it's a win-win and that was like 70 quid so which for a 4k and that special edition is an absolute bargain uh then arrow had their sale and i got eight movies seven of which were arrow 
and one of which was a third Windows film. Uh, film. Uh, kind of annoyed though. It, it didn't occur to me because it was. Uh, it's a Japanese one that I've been meaning to see for years now. Uh, it's meant to be fucking harrowing, and it's called uh, Kotoko. I think that's how you pronounce it. Probably pronouncing that wrong somehow. So it's K O T O K O. Um, I got it for a fiver, and I thought, "Savage, I want to see this for ages." But then I realised they brought out this amazing new box set for the director that includes about eight movies or more, and one of them is Kotoko. I don't know whether it's the same cut of the movie or it has, uh, sorry, like different special features or whatever the fuck, or it's a different print. I don't know. But I was kind of annoyed because that box set looks deadly. You know, I, I want to get it, but I'll be stuck with two. Um, but for the regular stuff, so most of it was Arrow Academy stuff. I got two Arrow video and the rest were Arrow Academy. I got Gosford Park, which is um, one I've been to see for fucking years now. I can't remember the fucking director's name. It's after leaving my head. Um, I keep thinking Alan Alda, but that's definitely not it. Um, Google Gosford Park, and then that'll, uh, that'll answer your question. Uh, might come back to me later. Uh, Cinema Paradiso. I've never seen the extended cut of that film. This comes with both the PG version and the extended 15th version. But no booklet. And this is my problem. I mean, I love that Arrow do Savage booklets and whatever else. But it, it wrecks my head just how it's all limited edition shit. Because I miss out on loads of fucking stuff. And all the stuff you get in the sale, 90% of the time tends to be the second print of it. And you're just stuck with a fucking... Poxy version that doesn't come with a buckler or doesn't come with a slip cover and I've had it happen a million fucking times um, but I have the movies now both copies of it so I'm happy with that this other one now is uh, how do you pronounce his fucking name Christoph uh, Koslowski um, considered one of the greatest directors of all time he directed this 10 part series called Decalogue and it's pretty much 10 it's like an anthology series 10 one hour or so movies and apparently they're all amazing the box that i got here is an arrow academy one i've been wanting to get it for years wanting to see it for years i should say uh, i didn't realize though that this is also a second edition because the first edition comes with a load of bonus discs and tv specials and all sorts and that doesn't have it and i'm fucking annoyed about that although again still it was a bargain price i think it was only a tenner for effectively 10 hours of tv and and bonus features um one-eyed jacks western film with what the fuck's his name again what is going on with me? Marlon Brando. My head's all over the fucking shop here. I'm trying to remember. I'm looking at the movies in front of me now. Trying to remember which I fucking got new. And which I've had here for a while. Um, but yeah. Western I've always wanted to see it. Got it for a bargain price. I think it's also a two or three disc version of it as well. Again no book sadly. But I don't know. I, I've, I've been trying to investigate this. And see if there's someone out there on eBay. Maybe who can sell booklets and slipcovers. The original ones for arrow stuff because i'd fucking love to just get them separately even if i had to pay like a fiver for a slipcover i get it because some movies are just have savage artwork that i'd love to have um obviously i got invasion of the body snatchers the absolute masterpiece uh with don sutherland one of the fucking best horror movies ever made and sci-fi movies i should say as well unfortunately as well no booklet with that that hasn't had a booklet for probably about five or six years or something now uh Another one, this is one of the movies I actually watched there recently, Sleeping Dogs, the Sam Neill movie, he's in it. Roger Donaldson made it. It was solid. I thought it could have been a bit more interesting. There's some really good ideas in it and it's really nicely well made, but it kind of, I can't see myself actually returning to it. So that's that's always the gamble with blind buying stuff. I rarely do it. 
uh, well I say that even though I blind bought a fuckload of stuff but a lot of it's stuff that's come highly recommended to me rather than me just taking a chance um, but it was good um, it's worth a look but I don't know if I'd revisit it uh, but that came with a booklet that was a proper version which I don't know whether that suggests that not enough people are actually buying it at all I don't know um, but I'm annoyed now that I can't think of the fucking director of Gosford Park it's, it's really getting to me because I had it in my head there and I don't know why I keep thinking Alan Alda it's the only fucking name that's coming to mind so I'm going to do the noble thing and just look it up because I am too tired to exercise my brain further like I usually do um, and force myself to remember something because life's too short um, but I know it's like a murder mystery kind of thing Robert Altman fucking hell I knew I knew the name um, huge fucking cast in it and uh, it's kind of a murder mystery dinner party type thing so I kind of trust all involved um, and finally as part of that Arrow group I got Life Force it's a 4k remaster of it Toby Hooper directed it apparently it's gory violent highly sexualized lesbian space vampires so count me in uh, comes highly recommended from everyone so yeah I'm on board with it a uh, friend of mine uh, Nathan Ryan sent me a copy of Three Amigos Steelbook which was for a bargain price <laughs> Um, I think this is a comedy movie that it's probably better if you grew up with it but thankfully I grew up with it and I just think it's thoroughly enjoyable and funny and smart and the more you see it the more stuff you notice and really good commentary on the movie industry as well Um, that's a great steel book so got that for a steal uh, then I had more shit arrive from Zavi this is another thing with the fucking the way Zavi advertised this it wrecked my head uh, I got the Sister Street Fighter collection, which is four movie collection, and I don't remember if the booklet was in it. No, there's no fucking booklet. Um, the way they advertise it on the site is that it comes with a savage slipcover of commissioned artwork, and then on the reverse is what I thought was original artwork, but I don't think it is. But some very cool artwork. Uh, turns out when you get it, the reverse artwork is the main artwork, and there's no slip for it. And there's no fucking book in it either. And the way they advertised on the site made it look like it was going to be there. So I was annoyed about that. Um, and actually one of the other things from HMV which arrived a bit later is 48 Hours. Um, an excellent Walter Hill movie. Eddie, I think it's Eddie Murphy's first film. Proper film. And he's fucking brilliant in it. And you can see why his career exploded with that and his stand-up stuff. Because he's just fucking top class. And Nick Nolte's great too. Um they originally only had that as a, a Blu-ray and a VHS box, which was some sort of special promotion there, run of HMV, which, funnily enough, had the original 18 cert and now suddenly it's 15, so I don't know when they resubmitted that for certification, but they were correct to do so because it doesn't deserve any hard in 15s. I also got an amazing steelbook of The King of Comedy. I've been meaning to watch it again for years. Obviously, Scorsese is fucking savage. De Niro's savage. It inspired the Joker very clearly. I think anyone who likes the Joker needs to see this movie to see the roots of where that whole idea came from. Uh, but this comes at original artwork and it, on the steelbook and it just looks so much fucking better than the bland, shitty looking blue, normal Blu-ray that came out. Uh, then I had more independent stuff arriving from Amazon. Savage ultra limited edition box set of scum from indicator who are just constantly bringing out amazing stuff i want to get more of it uh loaded to the brim with extras savage artwork versatile artwork has two original posters on it as well as the main poster and a big like, fucking 200 page booklet or something like as low as how many page uh does it say 
I can't really see the writing because I'm far away from a book. Yeah, it comes with a big book anyway, lots of extras. My only issue with it is that it doesn't include the TV version of it. Whereas, I think it was a BFI box set that, or it might have been an ITV box set. Some box set anyway that came out for all of Alan Clark's movies included that version in it as well. And I thought that this was. So maybe I think, maybe BBC own it or something. Um, I got Paul Verhoeven's Flesh and Blood. It makes Game of Thrones look like fucking Teletubbies in terms of sleaziness. This is just full of sex and gore and violence and just nastiness. Set in that same sort of swords and sorcery time. But with Rucker Howard, Jennifer Jason Lee, and obviously Paul Verhoeven directed it. Loads of fucking fun. Um, and a Savage special edition as well. With booklet, two disc edition, Savage slipcover, Savage artwork. Everything you could want. Everything I want at least. Uh, and then I got The Defiant Ones. Which was a fucking amazing um, movie. I think it's from the 50s. With Sidney Poitier and Tony Curtis. And obviously for the time it was fairly groundbreaking. And about race relations and issues and things like that. And it's just a fucking excellent adventure movie I suppose you could call that uh, that I would thoroughly fucking recommend and it, unfortunately as well I thought it would come with a booklet it didn't but delighted to finally have a Blu-ray of it and I think who is it? is it Indicator? no it's not Indicator or Eureka oh it is Eureka yeah Eureka tend to be very good with doing the original artwork as well so they uh, they threw that on there and it's kind of <laughs> the artwork kind of makes it look more of an action movie I suppose but it's, I still think it's good artwork Um annoyingly i saw this drop down in price a couple of days after but ricky o um probably one of the craziest fucking movies ever it's accurately described as like brain dead meets the evil dead meets the matrix meets fucking kung fu movies plus loads of gore plus fucking madness I, i don't even know where to describe this movie it is just one of the maddest oddest craziest fucking things i've ever seen and i love it and I'm glad to finally have a Blu-ray now. I'm dying to actually throw it on and see what the quality's like and everything else. Uh, Dario Argento's Opera finally has a savage, perfect new fucking Blu-ray. It's a 2K scan uh, and the best it's ever looked. And it comes with savage artwork, reversible sleeve, all that stuff, a booklet and everything. What I don't like, though, is the slipcover that comes in is paper thin. It feels really fucking cheap. And for such good artwork, it's a pain in the arse. And the cunts, they have the fucking spine upside down on the blu-ray and i cannot stand when a company releases shit like that uh, what's it artificial eye did the same thing they just have the spines upside down on the blu-rays and it drives me insane it's wrong um i also got from eureka by the way i meant to say uh flesh and blood is eureka too um and it's cult films who do opera eureka's version of the dark half which i think is a fucking thoroughly underrated stephen king movie because obviously all those movies were kind of poo-pooed at the time but this is one now where i think it's going to have a resurgence especially with this special edition it's fucking lovely again same as flesh and blood slip cover booklet savage artwork two discs everything you could want but it's i think the movie itself is a bit over long the last like 20 minutes do drag a bit but everything leading up to that and even the climax is fucking brilliantly done really smart good writing actually kind of creepy that's a stephen king story that uh when most people talk about how all his adaptations are shite, this is a fucking really good one. Oh, nearly at the end. <laughs> um, I also got Bad Timing, the uh, Nicholas Rogue movie with Garfunkel in it. I know you said Garmin and Syfunkel. Um, but with Art Garfunkel. And I've been meaning to see this literally pretty much my whole fucking life at this stage. Um, 
and I saw it going for seven quid. I said, I have to fucking pick that up. So I'm finally going to give that a look. I got Planes, Trains and Automobiles because, of course, I did. It's fucking tremendous. The artwork is a bit gammy. I thought it'd be the original one with the two of them sitting down there and Steve Martin looking horrified at a big, delighted John Candy. Unfortunately, it isn't the case. But I have it now and it was only like three quid. Um, this is one I've been wanting to see for years as well because I remember when I was doing the radio show in Phoenix, we did one about movies that are about Wyatt Earp and what happened at the OK Corral and the shootout there. And this is one of the key movies in that. It's called Gunfight at the OK Corral and it has Burt Lancaster and Kirk Douglas. So, I mean, already totally sold. It's a fucking Western from that time period with those people. Thumbs up immediately. Uh, so looking forward to watching that. And then I got one that I watched over and over in my childhood uh, that I used to fucking love and I haven't watched it since and I'm going to watch it probably this weekend because I've been uh, having a lot of things reminding me of it. Um and that's Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Uh, limited edition from Arrow as well. Savage fucking special edition. Big uh, Ralph Steadman poster that comes with a Big booklet that comes with it. And I think it's a two disc. I can't remember. Yeah, two disc. It comes with a documentary about Ralph Steadman's artwork. And a lot of art cards. And yeah, original artwork on it. Savage. Uh, and the reverse of the Ralph Steadman poster is also the original movie poster too. So as usual, Arrow giving you 110% of whatever they give you. However, um, I was expecting, or I think I had it in my head, that it contained where the buffalo roam, which was the Bill Murray Hunter S. Thompson movie. Because um, I know there was a box set years ago that had the two of them in it, and I was kind of hoping that it, this would come with it. But this was a limited edition. I got it for 15 quid from HMV, so again, happy days. Uh, I mentioned Peter Larkin's blog last week, and I'm mentioning it again. Go check it out. He did a great piece on Affliction that ultra grim Paul Schrader movie I talked about a few episodes ago that has Nick Nolte in it um, he did a big piece on that where about reading but I mentioned how he put me on the radar of Peter Greenaway and I finally picked up the movie that he told me about which is The Cook, The Thief, His Wife and Her Lover as I said spellbindingly fucking well made movie really interesting and just dark, ugly, nasty but also romantic, fantastical, horrific it's Every fucking genre you could nearly think of rolled into one and it works. Um, might not be for everyone, but it would arguably be one of the most... Oh, jeez, my voice went stupid there. It would arguably be the most accessible Peter Greenaway movie that I can think of, that I've had any kind of experience with. Um, and... Oh, shit, that's actually it. Um, I suppose I thought I had more because I've ordered more. Because like I said, I've ordered a 4K Blu-ray player. It's going to come with... 2001 A Space Odyssey, but I've also uh, gone onto HMV's website and they have still got a sale on. So I got, I think I have a screenshot of them here. So actually from Amazon where I ordered the Blu-ray pair, I got uh, Electric Glide in Blue. I think that's how you say it. Or no, Electric Glide in Blue, which is 70s movie I heard very good things about, but I know little about. But it was going very cheap, so I said, fuck it, it looks like a nice special edition. I think it comes in a slipcover. I'm going to get it and give it a go. Uh, Robert Burke is in it. Who. Unusual life. But uh, when he's good he's great. Um, I got an essential Wes Craven horror. That I love. Uh, the Serpent and the Rainbow. I've been looking at different Blu-rays and stuff that are coming out. from. There was one that Screen Factory did. But this one. Is a lot cheaper. And I think. I don't know if it has the same extras. But. It's a fucking. It was dirt cheap. And it has the original artwork on it as well. With Bill Pullman. Screaming in a coffin full of blood. So kept me in uh and one that is going to be an ambitious watch 
Um, wanted to see it for years. I'd heard how controversial it was. NC-17 movie with Robert De Niro in it. Set in Italy. Mostly in Italian. During a war. Donald Sutherland's in it as well. Big crazy movie. It's called 1900 or Novacento. Is the Italian name for it. It's a five and a half hour war epic. With those people in it. So big thumbs up for me. I love long movies. And with that talent attached to it. Count me in. Uh, and then finally from HMV. This is stuff will hopefully arrive soon next week. I know it hasn't dispatched yet, but uh, I'm going to say the Italian name for this because that's what's written here. But it's called Della Morte Dell'Amore, which is uh, known as The Cemetery Man, which is a horror movie I have, again, like most of the stuff I mentioned here, I've wanted to see forever. And it's been going for mad money, and I managed to get it for eight ninety nine. so fucking delighted. Uh, and two other ones from uh, Michelle Sovi, who I got his fucking name pronounced right this time because it says Soavi before. When I was talking about the stage right Blu-ray I have. But uh, I got his movie The Church. Which I've wanted to see as well. Uh, also 8 99 when I saw that going for Mad Money Online. And also going for Mad Money is The Sect. Which I also got for 8 99 Actually everything here is 8 99 uh, I got Fellini's 8.5. Which is almost £8.5. So that could have been a perfect fucking price for this. Uh, it's one of my dad's favourite movies. I still haven't seen it, so I thought I may as well pick up what is regarded the best edition of that movie and watch it now because it's only after coming out about a month ago. So for that price as well, it's a fucking bargain. And finally, uh, a pistol opera movie, which is something that a genre I, I'm not even going to pretend that I am an expert in at all. I've only seen I think two of them, but I love the idea of them and these crazy, wacky, quirky, 60 star action-packed Japanese crime sort of comedy movies that are really stylish, violent and odd and involve a lot of guns and pistols. And this one in particular is called Tokyo Drifter and it's the Criterion version of it which is only gone for like 9.99 and which is a fucking bargain and it has savage original artwork on it. I love it. Uh I watched it a few years ago, blew me away, amazingly like amazing visuals in it really interesting strange never saw a movie like it it's so over the top and wacky and 60s but in a really good way and to to finally own a copy of that now is fucking deadly so jesus that's uh <laughs> that's the plethora of fucking shit that i have or hang on did i even mention everything i feel like i've ordered more that i haven't even received yet because i've ordered so much stuff i did i ordered a phone <laughs> which uh you can't uh really review properly uh, I just want to check my Amazon because I just I find fucking with all the saving I've been able to do from fucking being, with the isolation and everything that's going on I've just decided I may as well buy all the shit I've wanted to buy for ages so as I said the 4k player soon to be 4k TV um, let me see no I think that's actually everything oh yeah no what happened was I knew I was forgetting something I went to buy cannibal holocaust there recently and the sale went through the the proper grindhouse releasing savage three disc completely uncut soundtrack included slip slip cover fucking everything you want edition in the movie dying for it they were selling that for 24 quid i said i'll definitely buy that free delivery and whatever else when i clicked into it i immediately had the payment reversed and it said oh yeah it's actually not here so i said what the fuck and they said oh yeah it's on back order so you're gonna have to just wait i was like nah fuck that got my money back and then I found it yesterday on Amazon and I thought it's gone for 27 quid what a bargain it says it's normally 21 but they've included potential taxing from the US so I thought alright they've included that which means I'm still getting it for a bargain price little did I know that when I went to 
fucking go to the checkout, it added an additional six quid for customs and whatever else, but also ten quid fucking delivery. I said, get the fuck out of my face. I want the movie, but I'm not spending nearly 40 quid on the fucking thing. So I will eventually get it cheaper, but I'm not going to spend that fucking price for it. What a cheap way to end this fucking podcast. Yeah, I say end it because I was going to review a bunch of movies there. But, I mean, what time am I at now? Over an hour and a half. I think if I start reviewing the movies, I'll be here for two and a half hours. On top of what I've done now. So what I'm going to do is, I am going to do another episode. But I'm going to just probably make that episode a big bumper review episode. And talk about all the shit I've seen. If you want to see the stuff that I uh, am going to talk about or reviews for them, just go onto the Facebook page because I have written reviews there for them and did i mention i think i actually started this podcast making a point that i didn't finish in the sense that i started recording this because i enjoyed getting to talk about the movies more freely and how i my writing kind of goes a bit weird after i kind of get more aware of what i'm writing but i've got back to fucking writing reviews so they're all available there on letterboxd and on facebook and i actually have a shitload more to add to it so yeah thanks for listening uh this was a very ranty fucking episode i feel like i've gone off the rails a few times but i'm also extremely overtired so i'm probably talking a complete lot of bollocks and how well this actually turns out as a podcast will be entirely up to you and what you think of podcasts because there's a lot of them you can listen to others if you don't like this but you should also like this because it's better than all the others obviously anyway enough bollocks out of me i'm gonna hopefully have an episode this weekend but like i said i'm not making any promises i'm not going to confirm any days if i find the time this weekend to do another one i will because i'd like to actually talk about all those movies that i got to watch and what i'm going to watch between now and then so we'll see what the story is until then you're all cunts thanks for listening goodbye